Welcome back, movie lovers, to another episode of the Cinemates Podcast. I'm Michael Zay Collins, and joined with me today is, as always, Jake Schultz, fresh out of a gum graft surgery, so he might uh, refrain from talking a lot during this episode. But Jake, how are you feeling, fresh out of your surgery? Uh, well, everyone knows it's hard for me not to talk, and when I've had to be silent for two days straight and not talk, this is like the first time I've put sentences together in... 48 hours. So if you're going to hear me sounding a little bit lispy, a little bit gummy, that's because I got a big bandage under my lip. Okay. Yeah. N- nice. Awful. <laughs> I n- never want anyone to ever feel this pain that I have felt because when the numbing wore off and I was feeling the stitches, it was uh, some kind of pain I was going through. Well, that's fun. Yeah. It's probably the scariest thing that I've felt this month. Speaking of scares. Look at that transition. Transition. Uh, it is spooky month. Uh, really, not even like a movie's piqued your uh, your scary fancy? No. Something like that. Well, what about a Netflix series? Maybe. Is it made by Mike Flanagan? I believe it is. Oh, my God. What is it called? The Fall of the House of Usher. Oh, my God. No way. Yes. What's that about, Jake? I think it's about a CEO of a corrupt pharmaceutical company who faces his questionable past when his children start dying in mysterious and brutal ways. Does that sound familiar? It does. So we finished the series, the new Netflix Mike Flanagan series, and the final one of his Netflix deal. And he goes yep. out... Uh, well, it kind of ends like he's he's saying goodbye too. Which is it really is. It's like a an ode to all of his Netflix yeah. past with Gerald's Game. We even have like a funnel Easter egg in there. But the cast, especially, like this, takes the best of every single series and just brings them into one. So from Haunting of Hill House, from Bly Manor, from Midnight Mass, from Midnight Club, you got them all bringing back yes. here. There's a couple people that aren't still there, but a lot of the main guys are still there. Carla Gugino has been a mainstay in a lot of his shows and TV, as is Kate Seagal. They're both back in big roles, and they're all just there, and it, it feels like a big closure, doesn't it? Yeah, it uh, was very nice. Um, so why don't we give our reviews of The uh, the Fall of the House of Usher? Did you finish it? You I did. did finish it, yes. Okay, there we go. So okay. um, why don't we go through well, – I mean, we got to do our review, then we got to do who died the best. Yeah, we'll I get into like spoilers later. Uh, so, yeah. First impressions. So I'm a huge Mike Flanagan fan. I have touted his brilliance before on both my Letterboxd, and I think I've mentioned it a little bit on the podcast. I really am just a fan of everything he does. I think he does imagery very well, and he's one of the better mainstream horror directors out there. And all of his Netflix stuff has really been some of my favorite stuff put out there on the platform. If you need a break from speaking, let me know. <laughs> I'm really going to try to get through this, okay? I love... Haunting of Hill House and Midnight Mass. I think those are two of my favorite horror miniseries that he made. Bly Manor I still really like too. Not as much as the others. And then Midnight Club is a little bit mixed on. Uh, Midnight Club sucked. <laughs> yeah. I'll say it. It got canceled for a reason. Yeah, Midnight, Midnight Club was pretty pretty ass. They had one good episode in there. Sure. <laughs> but this, to me, feels like the most intriguing out of all of them. It felt straight up like a murder mystery at the very beginning kind of like a who done it you try to figure out what's going on why everyone's dead because they show you at the very beginning that all these kids are dead and you don't really know why but it's all around this one person that's verna who's this mysterious stranger and i really enjoyed learning what happened and going through every single episode and 
seeing the brutal ways that all of these kids were getting murdered (laughs) and really just finding that underlying message between the whole show. That being said, I don't think that this is his strongest. I do think that I would put Midnight Mass and Mitt and Haunted of Hill House above it, mainly because I don't find this one really to be that scary. It's just more so tense and thriller, and there's some jump scares every once in a while, but they're kind of cheap, I think, in my opinion. But I still really enjoyed it. I thought it was really intriguing the entire time. I think it kept me hooked for all eight episodes. I'm glad it was just eight episodes and not try to stretch out to ten because I feel like that could have already moved it a little bit too thin. I think it it is a little bit drawn out in a sense. I think some episodes kind of follow a very formulaic pattern and really just the kills were <laughs> what put this above for me. And I really like the characters. I think there's a pretty cool... And so, honestly, I just like the show. I think it was a good show. Is it, like, my favorite of his? No, I don't think so. No? Uh, I really liked it. I thought this was great. Good. Uh, was it better than Haunting of Hill House? No. Was it better than Midnight Mass? No. Um, but it's definitely top three. It's yeah. probably the third. Um, it's right there with Bly for me. No, it's way better than Bly. Bly like is... Bly? Uh, Bly was really, really boring. And not much happened. There wasn't a lot of like explanations. To, well, they just waited too long. If you're th- if you're saying this went on too long, then that one was like I every episode. It went on too long, but it did drag a little bit. Every episode in Bly went on too long. Um, mm-hmm. But this is closer to Midnight Mass than I think third place gives it credit for. Uh, Midnight Mass wasn't that scary, but the the story so the strong. story was great. The characters were brilliant. Yeah. Uh, one thing I found with this one too is the way that it able is able to like show how scary the supernatural is and the things in the real world are yep. equally as scary and you're sort of teetering like what is and what isn't and that's that was great about midnight mass is because you have well i mean it's been out for a while you have a vampire as like an angel spoilers <laughs> um so like there's just things that he's able to really cleverly do that's just what mike flanagan is though yeah look at dr sleep he did the exact same thing there too so uh, that that's what I mean. Like it's a strength of his 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 direction and his yeah, style, it, it was brilliant. Um, it was done well here. So I re- I actually really really liked this. But and in theater school, I did a lot of Poe monologues. So I kind of had a lot. The of, second um, I saw that it was Edgar Allan Poe based, I was like, Mike is gonna eat this up. <laughs> yeah. So every episode was kind of like, oh, this one, oh, this one. I thought the um, the Verna as an anagram of Raven was a little uh, a little blatant there, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Um, it's a little on the nose. It's a little on the nose. And some things like were a little too predictable. Uh, but before we get into spoilers, I'll just say, like, I, I thought this was fantastic. I really, really liked it. I thought it was such a a great way to end his Netflix series. And it kind of ended like he was, like, just going to go away forever, but he's going to go to Amazon. So <laughs> good good for him. Um, the Dark Tower. Yeah. It, it was really good. And I love, you're right. I think the the way they told the story was brilliant from back in time to the present day to back when all the characters died. Um, And I think uh, without, I don't think you can really talk about what happens now without spoilers here. So, Well, beforehand, Bruce Greenwood, I just want to give my flowers to him. He is a unsung hero in Hollywood. I feel like he doesn't get talked about literally at all. He's some of my favorite parts of the Star Trek films of the newer trilogy. I love him. Yeah. He's, he has such a presence of monologues that he's able to deliver, and his whole character in the in the present is all monologues, Yeah, and they're all so captivating and so well done. I loved listening to him talk, and I'm happy he finally had like another big performance like this. Yes. 
Because um, Gerald's Game, he's excellent in that as well. Which was also Mike Flanagan, right? That was mm-hmm. his first Netflix movie? Yeah, the Easter, you see in the, the Easter egg in the show when they're going through Netflix and it pops up oh, Gerald's really? Game on there, hey, hey, hey. which I thought was kind of cute. That's nice. That's kind of cute. Ugh. Gerald's Game was so good until the end. Brutal. Yeah, the end's not very good. It got good. too Stephen Kingy. They had to. They had to do it that. is a very good two piece film, though. Yeah, I mean that one jump scare is the jump scare. Yeah, it's so so fantastic. Anyway, we won't talk about Gerald's Game. Go watch that if you haven't seen it. Um, but yeah, let's talk about spoilers for this. Well, yeah, actually, you know, what, you know, you know, since you're talking about Bruce Greenwood, we'll talk about actors here. Okay, a couple of really bad performances in this. Oh, I listen, okay. Mike, Mike Flanagan. I understand that you're boys with all these people. Don't, don't say you, Kate Segal is bad. You don't need to take all of your homies in this. Uh, no, Henry Thomas, who is no. Frederick Usher. I love Henry Thomas in this. so bad in this. And I understand that he's the eldest boy, a secession reference, because this is basically secession but horror. Yeah. Um, I understand that he had to die last because he was the oldest one, but come on. Shut the hell up, bro. He was really, really bad. No. He was not good at all. None of his lines he was doing right. The character was like all over the place. He was not giving you any motivation until like certain things, and it wasn't on purpose. It was just because he clearly didn't understand what he was doing, like a lot with the script and that. Um, so that one was pretty rough for me. Uh, Michael Trucco or Trucco was the he was in Midnight Mass too, and I actually really liked him. And he was like scary a bit in this one, and then he his character kind of fell off a bit, and he kind of like stopped performing a bit. Well, I kind of forgot he was in this show. He's Rufus like, Griswold. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. he's he, oh yeah, oh yeah, and he just kind of never stuck out to me. So he, yeah, he's like the bad pharmaceutical guy. Yeah, yeah. in the in the beginnings of uh, the. But he was great in Midnight Mass, and he, he was just, fantastic. He didn't in really Midnight have Midnight much Mass. of a standout in this show. No, no, no and that's uh, but like everybody else was fantastic. Like props Ra- to everyone else. Shout out Rahu Kohli as well. He, oh my gosh, I love Rahu and Kohli. All, everything that he's in in one of these. Everything. Like, he's great. Everything it's, he's. It's in. weird that like him and a lot of other people like uh, Zach Gilford. Um, a lot, oh, most of the women in this thing, uh, who are also in all the Mike Flanagan things, like um, Ryan Murphy, when he does like ensemble casts that he reuses, he's able to like find this camp within it. But it's like fully camp everything in American Horror Story, where this a lot of the characters are able to find the horror camp that Mike Flanagan's looking for, mm-hmm. and they do it in such like a a smarter way, almost where it's like you're watching this really well-crafted thing, but you get the camp of the horror of the character that he's trying to do. It, I don't know. I don't really know how to explain it, but do you sort of understand what I mean? I got you. Where they kind of find this, like, balance. Um, and, like, basically everybody in this thing is great. Who'd you miss out of his previous shows or movies that he didn't bring back? Because there's one name on the top of my head. Oh. Victoria uh, Pedretti. Yeah. 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 I, I wish she came back. Her boyfriend? This. Was your boyfriend in this one, though? The kid? I don't know. I, I think I was watching another show. I don't think. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. She, uh, she's great in the other ones, and I really wish, even like a cameo, like a one-off, I wish she was in there, but yeah. understandable why she wasn't. Mark Hamill was good. That, that was Mark Hamill's always good. <laughs> New Mark Hamill's great. It's surprising that he was in this. It was odd. I liked his grimy little voice. He's speaking like this the entire time. Yeah. he was, uh, It was weird. Why was Mark Hamill in this? I clued in to this was Edgar Allan Poe stories quicker than I knew that that was Mark Hamill. You didn't clue that in with the title of the house, Fall of the House of Usher? That's literally a poem by him. Yeah, no, I thought it was just going to be that story. Oh, okay. But you didn't every, every single, single episode is right. a story. Yes. Um, but no, no, like like I clued in, to, in, I think it was the first episode, second episode. I did like a double take when I saw Mark Hamill. I was like, what? Because <laughs> no, I, I didn't I, even know he was in this. I was like, oh, I know this story. Wait, that's Mark Hamill? <laughs> yeah, no. 
Um, but no. So basically every episode is a bunch of uh, different sort of Edgar Allan Poe stories. Sometimes it's two stories. Sometimes it's just one story. Sometimes it's things about Edgar Allan Poe's personal life. Um, then it comes to the climax of uh, The Raven, obviously his most famous one. And Verna essentially is um, the two main characters, Roderick Usher and Madeline Usher, basically do a deal with this character who's I think Spoilers. supposed to be... Yeah, we're at spoiler alert here. <laughs> uh, for... Basically, they can get everything they want except them, those two, and the rest of their bloodline have to die all at the basically all at the same time. Everybody gets cut off one by one by one. Each episode, it basically sets up that the character of one of the kids is going to die, yada yada, and so forth. So, why don't we talk about um, either your favorite Poe references first or your favorite death? Yeah, I was going to quickly talk about Verna real fast. Yeah, go. Was that I really liked how they made Verna kind of this she's the personification of death but at the same time she's not unfair because they made this deal and which you find out in the last episode this is within like the last 30 minutes that you find out you kind of knew something was along the lines of that we like well why are these all of them getting slaughtered one by one by one and they kept showing the flashbacks and she was there as well but I liked how Verna was willing to give them a chance to have a peaceful death and the ones that didn't earn yeah. them, she was like, okay, screw okay, you. Well, let's go into, let's rate all the deaths because I feel like what you're talking about is going to be in our top deaths here. Okay, okay, fine. So the first episode had no deaths, right? So the second episode was The Mask of the Red Death, which yes. was. Which I, okay, the party by the way, death. I loved how they did all these Poe references, but they modernized them. So in, in this one in particular, they all get the plague at the party, mm-hmm. but this, they all get acid sprayed on them, which is. Quite funny. Um, this, to me, was the best death. I thought this was, like, the most really? gruesome. So many people die in this thing. There's the imagery at the end with all the dead bodies. Uh, it was absolutely crazy. Um, so the this one, one probably of the won for me. The second one of the characters was like, oh, there's no water in here. And yeah. I was like, oh, no. Yeah. I didn't think it was going to be acid, though. I was like, whoa. It was gruesome. The cinematography is great. There's nothing we didn't mention. It was a good-looking show. Yeah. And this especially when you had Perry looking up into the skies with his hands out. And then you just hear people screaming, and then you slowly just see their faces bubbling a little bit. You're just like, uh oh. Also, all the names in this thing rule. Everybody's name is an awesome name. Willa. Except um, Victorine. Frederick. Victorine was a weird name. Napoleon. Napoleon. Tamerlane. Rufus Roderick. Yeah, Annabelle, spelt with B L. Prospero. Prospero's a sick name, dude. Little William Shakespeare, The Tempest. Beautiful. Bill T. Yeah, built. That guy was hilarious. <laughs> Great character, built. <laughs> Gotta love built. So yeah, I like that death too. Body by built. Uh, that that one to me was like, and I think that one was so good too. So good. That thing one that was so good when that guy got sprayed with acid and hundreds of people died. Uh, it was great because it set up basically what the show was and the formula of how you're going to watch the show. Mm-hmm. So especially because that that's such a famous story too. That okay, I know what I'm watching now, um, and they're all gonna basically end in the climax of a child dying it sets up the formula of the show and it kind of like it was a really big bang at first man that that thing was nuts yeah it was cool it and hurt it did hurt it, hurt it to did watch. hurt to watch and he didn't shy away from it either nope. at the end like you just see all the you see those bodies. bodies at the bottom people still like, alive oh. she kisses him too she's like mm-hmm. i want that that acid lips on me uh and yeah. then beforehand before it all happened she gave perry a chance to to, he knows like what's gonna happen and he was just like ah 
No, nothing's gonna happen well, to me. She didn't give them chances. She's warning. So this is what this is. She's what, not saying he can live. No, but they're giving them a chance for a peacefuler death. Yeah, because ninety percent of these characters, ninety-five percent of the, the all the children die very gruesomely, except yeah. for one at the very end, which we'll get to. But that's what I liked about her character is that she's like not just this wicked, cruel person. Like she had standards in a sense. And I thought that was a really smart way to personify her as well because I think that that made it a lot more just dynamic of a character when you found that out at the very end when you like, I just thought it was really well done. I thought that was a smart way of approaching every character because the one character that, like one of the one characters that didn't get really get a chance and she intervened, you understand why she did because he was just an absolute dick versus some of the other ones. She's like pleading and she's like, okay, like stop. You don't need to be here. You don't have these chances. And I think that's really clever because if you don't catch them, it'll go right by your head until you finally realize, oh, I get what's happening here. She told Morella to get out too. She did. Of this one, but she doesn't. And she gets acid everywhere, but she lives. She lives. She's the one character that does live. Yes. Um, So we'll go to episode two here. Murder in the Rue Morgue. Yes. Death by Monk. Death by Monkey. Uh, uh, this is probably my least favorite, maybe yeah, because you too. didn't see anything. I think it yeah. was really cool the way that they portrayed Verna talking and then she looks in the camera and then it's the monkey in front of her the whole time. I, I think that you know that what she's going into, the whole scene around it, though, was probably one of the scariest ones. Yeah. The setup to the death the was, the, was, very was probably well the scariest one, but it, the death was unsatisfying. Mm-hmm. You don't really see her get ripped apart by a monkey i would love to see that would have been cool yeah that i was a little upset it. kate seagal died second i kind of wanted her character to last she was really longer. good eh she's great she in was everything fantastic uh I, it was, one thing that bothered me about the, that though is like the two side characters a lot of the side characters in this thing really weren't developed enough and mm-hmm. they were i felt like they were trying to force feed us a little bit of like okay but there's also people around them and you didn't like, like the assistants this is the reason why that they're, they're <laughs> bad people because look what they're doing to these assistants oh yada yada and they're like are blaming everybody for like these leeches leeched on their life, even though they're just trying to pay a job and they fell in love. Uh, <laughs> but there was a lot of like underdeveloped side characters yeah, I found. But it's not especially about them. in this episode. No, it, it was not about them at all. But uh, yeah, this least satisfying. Verna gave her a chance to leave beforehand. She said you shouldn't be here, and she went, "No, I don't care." Yep. Cool. Yeah. Good death. Good death indeed. The black cat. Yeah. Rahu Kohli gets Another pastored classic. by a cat the entire time. Had a chance not to pick that cat because he someone killed the cat during a party the night before, so he went yeah. to go get another cat from an <laughs> Do adoption. Did he stabbed the cat? Uh, probably. Yeah. Because he didn't like the cat before. No, they like they the set cat. up that he wasn't a fan of the cat, but they gave Verna gave him a chance to adopt a different cat, and he said, no, I want that cat. So she said, let's just torment him with this cat. So it was pretty funny. It was like a nice like cat and mouse type game yep. where he's at all these people at the house, and then the cat will just come out and just scratch him every once in a while. Drive him nuts is a good uh, is fun to watch. He's really really good, and he propelled I think a, pr- a pretty weaker death to a bit more. It's than just fun. What it was, it was it was just fun, and I think it was because of him rather than how they set it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the scariest, but it, this one was the most very like, um, Poe type of horror. You know what I mean? Where it's not really like it doesn't really translate as well to a modern audience. Where somebody's just sort of going insane. Like, did you watch a Netflix? I think it was like a Netflix movie, and they buy like this house, and then they think there's like demons in the wall, and they end up like ripping the whole house apart. No, that sounds it's horrible. Sort of based on the same thing, but yeah, just like mind things like that don't really translate as well, especially in well, like how long are these episodes? An hour? Yeah, they're around fifty-eight. Yeah, minutes. this one didn't 
didn't without him I don't think it would have been as good. No, it's a one man performance. Yeah. And basically this whole thing. Yeah, he carries the hell out of this story. And the death it's probably it's my second least favorite death, just because he just falls off yeah. of a building yeah. and then he's on the ground. But I and it's love a shame that those two go first. Yeah. Well, besides Prospero, which was also a bummer because Prospero's character was nuts. Also, he was the best part of Midnight Club too. His character, he was. But also, like, why did she go to the club? Like, oh, my my husband's brother looks really frail today. Maybe <laughs> I'll go clubbing with him. <laughs> I, I did not understand the motivation for. She to wanted there. a taste of the high life. It's <laughs> freaking weird. She wanted Perry's beak. That one didn't really make a lot of sense to me. No, anyway, this it was his motivation to get her to yeah. and to set up his character. Late down, I did love how the cat at the very end of the episode just went on top of his body and just sat there. I thought that was pretty fun. Very nice. Very fun way to end the episode. The Telltale Heart. Oh my god, this one was fantastic. Yeah, this could have been a standalone. I think, like this is the closest you could have seen to like a standalone episode because the performance by Tania Miller she was great in Bly Manor probably the best part of that oh my god that entire episode she is scary scary on like the flip of a dime she gets so terrifying yeah. towards the end of this it this one um this is obviously probably the second most famous one to the the Raven but um the way that they used they modernized this one and they used the whole pharmaceutical company and the fake heart as the heart mm-hmm. was absolutely nuts yeah. that was that was fantastic this was like the best modernization that they did through the whole thing yeah this is probably my second favorite my third the reveal was so oh it was brilliant so good <laughs> she just stabs herself too oh my god it was fantastic it's so good like i i feel like we're just like beating a dead <laughs> horse but like there's not much to say outside of like these are just you can't if you see them you get it yeah they just set this up they, they set this one up probably the best this episode is probably the best episode yeah i would say so that the finale the finale was fantastic well we'll get there yeah. go to the go to the next one there's not much you can say about this one other than like fantastic gold bug great job more of the same another very good performance they're, they're just really good performances yeah, the this entire one was time a good performance um this you also start start piecing a little some things together you're figuring out um more of the backstory uh and it's starting to pique your interest a, a bit more but i i do feel like this is the episode where it starts to kind of your motivation to keep watching is sort of falling apart but because they're doing so much around the edges that it's okay i'm, I'm still pretty pretty invested in this mm-hmm. um but yeah this this death was great Ah, disgusting. beautiful. Disgusting. It was disgusting, but also like weirdly beautiful at the same time. Yeah. Another thing that I really liked is that every death had a different color to it. So yep. they all had like very different distinct styles. Someone did ask Flanagan if it was meant to be the seven deadly sins, and he did say it was not. No, it didn't but, seem like it. Yeah, so each color, I guess, was just like a stylistic choice, but yeah. it was it really added to it. And the green with the glass falling from the ceiling. Fantastic. Looked so good. And the slow-mo just going right into the body just... Yeah. So There's like the the fighting mirrors, and then you see the mirror on the wall or the ceiling, and ugh. he sets up every single death, and you know exactly what's going to happen, and it still is just like, ugh, really, yeah. ugh. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's great. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Next one, the pit and the pendulum. This is the ugh, I, gruesome. So actually, gruesome. This is probably my favorite one. This I didn't one? say, yeah, I love... This is probably the grossest the yeah. way to die, I'd say. This would be the worst way to die. And this is what Verna was saying, that she's like she had 
just like, oh, normally I don't intervene, but good God, you're an awful human yeah. being. And so he basically what this character was doing was going slowly, slowly insane because he was like, why was my wife at the party? Why was he yeah. doing this? Just trying to figure out. Then he started taking cocaine, starts going a little bit crazy. Well, he's paralyzing his wife at the right. same time. And then he's paralyzing his wife. So Verna makes him take the paralyzing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the irony is beautiful. So good. And he's just lying there in the building where the party took place that was being destroyed. And she's just having this nice soliloquy to him while there's a pendulum swinging and slowly getting further and further down to his chest and just swiping away at his chest. It's disgusting, but it's so cool. Oh, it's great. <laughs> so cool. Just nasty. Can't believe you don't like Henry Thomas in this. He was really bad, man. Mm. He was really bad. He was a great antagonist in this episode. Yeah, yeah. I just wish he died earlier. But you know what? I, I agree with you because this episode had the biggest payoff when he died because you're like, thank God he's done. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You can only build that with so long with the kid as well because it makes sense why they had to build it up so long so that you could do it. Yeah. Oh, she's like literally the only one that's redeemable, but then she still yes. ends up dying. Which is well, the yeah, next we'll episode. Talk about it. Yeah, this is my second favorite one. This one? Yeah. Yeah. The Raven? Um, yes. Yeah, so Lenora, which is the daughter, mm-hmm. who basically is the, she's like this kid um, of the family, but she's redeem. She's redeemable. She's a good person. She's, she saves her mother from her father. Yep. Um, and then you sort of, you think that she can get out, and then you have this scene where, you realize she's not going to get out. Mm-hmm. And she's going to die. And this one was the most intimate death too, because this one she act Verna kills her. This is the one that Verna actually just ends her life, which is even strange for the tilt to the heart. Ver- Verna's not even there. No, she just stabs herself. But this one I thought was the most um, well done, and it somehow was the most shocking. But there's nothing scary about the scene. There's nothing like set up about the scene that's meant to thrill you or it's anything. Very somber. She just sits on the bed with her, and she tells her. Listen, your mom is going to live a great life, and because you saved her, all of these people are going to be saved, and then she kills her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just brutal. Yeah. It was uh, very well scripted, though. Oh, fantastic. I kind of forgot that she was even like, because they even made a line like, oh, it's a funny thing when we talk about bloodline, what defies a bloodline, because technically she's like not part of it, but she is, and so. Yep, they set it up. Yeah. it's, it's You think it's out, and then he says that line. It's a tough pill to swallow. It's a brutal one. They just go right to the bedroom. You're like, oh, oh, come on. Very well scripted, though. Yeah. And then the last two deaths was, of course, Madeline and Roderick going down together like they always were meant to be because it was always the two of them. Yeah. Before that, I did think another thing when Verna was talking about their, oh, well, like, here's the the deal in the 1980s when they made their deal. I, I think it's kind of interesting when you see that Madeline put some thought into it and Roderick who had two kids straight up just didn't blink twice because the entire time you're kind of thinking oh Madeline's the worst Madeline is the worst character and no it's just Roderick straight up like he I don't think you're thinking that I I did I thought she was by far worse than Roderick all of her like grievances and pain were because of the men around her that's true but the the modern day Madeline was very just in kin with Roderick and I I genuinely was a little bit floored by Roderick just immediately going yep because I didn't think no I think a lot of the part of Madeline's character was that all of the men in her life were bad people including the person who she put on the pedestal as like this great person like her her closest thing to her 
similar what's the can her the closest thing to her parallel was her brother and then in that scene oh her brother is also a horrible person mm. also why did he keep having kids it's pretty effed up <laughs> it's pretty weird why did he re- like I, I i get it because the thing is about like men and just suck and like obviously you're just gonna have sex with everybody I think it's also kind of the ideal that he thought that, oh, well, I can give all these people a great life while it's all happening. And he's like, because, oh, look, at they, they'll all be born into my empire and they'll all have money and they'll all just like, he can keep seeing what he mm-hmm. created just being blossomed. I think that kind of has a little bit, a little bit of a part to it. Yeah. Well, in, in the same reason, sort of, mm-hmm. that he just likes spreading his seed, thinking he's the man. Well, you saw how many ex-wives he had. Yeah. Nasty little dude. Including the new one. Juno, who gets out and she beats addiction. She does. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Great character. She has really good comedic moments in it too. She does. She was fantastic. Um, Yeah. And then these characters just- And they die. They die together. When she bursts out of the basement. Oh my God. Scary. You mummified her. Do you know she was dead? (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Yeah. Do you know- I doubt that you say that. I'm not too sure. Also, okay. Did you call the Nevermore? I called that from episode- uh, like two. No, I didn't. No, no. It was like, oh, of course. And then as soon as Lenore died, I was like, oh yeah, that's exactly what that is. No, I didn't know it was gonna be the AI thing. I think they actually had a scene before that too, where they were like, oh, and then you'll be an AI, right? Yeah. Okay. I think so. I didn't. Um, I didn't. Catch I didn't. That. I didn't think that was gonna be the thing. But yeah, I, I was like, oh, th- those text messages are saying nevermore. That's what I love about Flanagan, man. He just leaves little nuggets every single episode, just building and building until it crescendos, and it. Wrapped up very, very beautifully, I believe. What was your favorite misspelling of Nevermore? <laughs> God, there's so many to pick. The one good. probably without the vowels in it. Yeah, that was, was a good one. All caps. Yeah, yeah what, what about good. you? Probably all caps, no R. Oh, yeah, good. that's a good one. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, do you, what would you give it out of 10? Uh, okay, well, it's. I think you have to compare this to all the other stuff that he did. Haunting of Hill House is the scariest thing he's done. Yeah. That by far, and it had great twists. It built this whole world, and you were like, wow. Insane jump fantastic. scares. And then I felt like Midnight Mass is sort of, uh, it's funny that, I, dude, I don't know anybody else who's seen that. Midnight Mass? Yeah. That, like, that was that even popular? Yeah, really that's, popular. That's because I don't know anybody else who saw that. I love um, Midnight Mass. I know more people who saw Bly Manor. Um, and then Bly Manor, I felt, was kind of just, la- not lazy, but boring and sort of set up in a different Rather than like scares, was more set up as the atmosphere of the whole thing. It has a great ending though. Great ending, and uh, it's actually funny. I got so bored of Bly Manor that like I waited like a couple months before I finished the mm-hmm. last episode. Cause I was like, ah, last two episodes are like peak Flanagan. Yeah, yeah, they were great. Um, but Midnight Mass, I think, worked not because it was scary, but because everything. I think we already talked. Everything was just interesting around it. The characters were brilliant. The world they built was brilliant. Um, it is scripted so well. You, we were rooting for certain people and you, the mystery, I think had the, that one had the best mystery around the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but I think the climax to Haunted of Hill House is the best climax that he's done. Uh, but where this one felt more like a personal thing for me to watch. Mm. So I think I hold it higher than the other ones, but like standing back, I can see how I would rank it third. But to me, this one had the most, like, this was made for me mm-hmm. to just, like, enjoy. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I would give it a nine, I think. I loved it. Yeah, I'm not, like, I don't know. What are we know. doing, out of ten, by the way? Yeah, stars. Yeah, of course. Out of ten. What, uh, TV yeah, shows we, we do out of ten. Okay, okay. Nine. I gave it a nine. I, I loved it. I loved it. 
yeah, I can see how you would like this a lot more because you're such a poet head. I don't have much of a connection to Edgar Allan Poe and a lot of his stories, so I feel like if I was to know it and be obsessed with it, I would probably like it a lot more. I give it an eight. I think it's still a really solid watch. It's a great crescendo to Flanagan's career on Netflix. And I think if you liked his other works, there's no reason why you wouldn't like this. It just has and continues to build on everything else he's done in those projects. And it closes a chapter of his career in a beautiful way. It really ends like he's just done. It, it did. <laughs> With Kara Gugino yeah. literally like ending it. And she was one of the first people to sign on to his projects. It's very poetic. It's a very poetic end to his career on Netflix. Yeah. Congratulations, buddy. I love Mike Flanagan, man. Midnight Club ass <laughs> yeah i don't I, I think part of that was because he had it as a two arc series okay which kind it was of just, it was just lame <laughs> it could have been better maybe some kids liked it or something but for me it was pretty it was pretty bad anyway it's I a loved good concept it. it was an interesting concept all the characters were so unlikable though yeah <laughs> really really unlikable yeah uh that's okay though we, we all have a miss every once in a while i loved it i love this thing congrats and if we seem like a little bit scattered with our thoughts it's because you should go out and watch it we don't want to tell you everything just go enjoy also it's hard to do like a whole series it really <laughs> is and that's my issue with binging is because if we could have done this week by week this would have been an insane yeah. week by week thing to cover i have like notes but i don't even <laughs> there's no point yeah i'm not gonna go through each episode and be like i liked when they did that i liked when they did this so, so much whole, that's basically my whole thoughts so much harder when it's all binging i love i love a good week to week should have done Gen V for week to week. Speaking of Gen V, what did you watch this week? You want to do what we watched? Of course. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, I watched <laughs> Old Dads this morning, which is the new Bill Burr show or movie. What? It's I've called never Old heard Dads. Of that. It's new. It just came out. Okay. Um, so I watched, uh, I saw Bill Burr last year and he did a preview of this movie called Old Dads. And he's like, oh, this is my new movie. It's coming out, yada, yada. And then he did the show. The show was really good. It was very funny. Um, but the preview looked really bad. Mm. And then I watched the show, or the movie. Probably the worst thing I've seen this year. Really? And I've watched a lot of crap this year. Bill Bird doesn't usually put out um, bad stuff. This, every single joke is just like, I'm old, you're young. Don't don't put a Band-Aid on that. You got to rub that in gasoline like we used to do every single joke. It's the laziest written thing I've ever seen. He's a sh terrible actor, by the way. Just not good. Uh, and, oh, my God, th th this is the laziest thing I've seen this entire year. And the fact that he's a good comedian and this is what he's putting out as his actual comedy now, I think he, I think he absolutely just marooned his career. If this really? is the type of jokes that he's doing, god-awful, Jake. Watch. I'm, I'm not even kidding you. After this, we'll watch the first like two minutes, and you'll be like, "I can't. This is unwatchable." Two minutes in, you're gonna say this is unwatchable. I'm not kidding you. Wow, Netflix movie. Netflix movie. Well, that tracks. But Bill Burr is usually pretty funny in all of his stuff, so I don't really understand where that's coming from. My guy, every single joke is like, "I'm old. I, you're young. What the hell?" He's, he doesn't even have an accent. So you gave half a star. I gave it half. This is the worst thing I've seen this year. The Ouch. worst thing. He directed it too. Yeah, you can tell. It's horribly <laughs> directed. He has no idea what he's doing. The script is like all over the place. The story to, like is convoluted. Not convoluted, but like he just doesn't know where to go with like half of the things. The di direction is terrible. He's he's god awful. Sorry, Bill Burry, you're done. <laughs> 
you're done with me, man. I'm never watching your crap again. That was Scathing. painful. Painful to watch. Scathing painful to get through. Review. But like legitimately awful. Okay, my my phone's down where you go with your one you watched. Yeah, I before I get to a couple other things, I did watch another miniseries because, you know, it was on my bed doing nothing, so decided to watch a miniseries that everyone's been talking about this year, Daisy Jones and the Six. Hey. It's good. Nice. It's a good show. Why? I, I do think it's a bit long, I, I, but I do enjoy learning about these characters, and I think that I have read a bit of the book. It didn't capture me the way a lot of the other people have been captured by it, and I think it works very well as a TV show because- You read it? It's a book? It is. Okay. It is. Originally a book, Taylor Jenkins Reid. It's her book. And it follows the band, The Six, and Daisy Jones, and their involvement, and just kind of their connection and relationship with each other. Riley Keough is so good in this show. I like her in everything that I've seen her in. This is probably my favorite performance from her. She even sings in this. Like, she had to learn to sing. She's Elvis's cousin, so you kind of understand that she can sing, and she can sing. Her and Sam Claffin have a really good chemistry with each other, and it's a fun will they, won't they, between two really bad people. <laughs> and you just kind of learn how their relationship both impacts and blossoms this band. The music's great. Sounds straight like it was ripped out of the 70s. It looks great. Feels like it was in the 70s. It is long. It's 10 episodes. And that kind of was what I was alluding to a little bit earlier mm. with. I like the eight episode thing. I do too. I think six and you to know eight what? is a sweet spot. Going back to the Mike Flanagan, every single last episode he has feels like Incredible, like like it leads up to every single episode is leading up to this last episode, mm-hmm. and and I know I just said that I got so bored I couldn't watch the last episode, but like when you watch that episode, you're like, oh, everything's paying off in this moment. Everything has a payoff. Everything feels like you were rewarded for finishing the series. Yeah, I didn't feel that this much with this show. Tough. It feels like it loses momentum about halfway through, and it kind of gets sidetracked when Daisy goes off and does her own thing for an episode. And it feels a little lost, and I know it's in the the book, but it's important for a character as well. But that's when I kind of just kind of checked out towards the end. So I wasn't as huge as the last couple episodes as a lot of other people were, but I still really liked it. I think it's a fun watch to do. I don't think you have to go rush out and do it. It is a very bingeable show, which I enjoyed. Sam Claflin looks like a jerk. He acts like a jerk in this show. Oh, my God. His character is horrible. Doesn't he kind of have like a jerk look? He just kind of looks like a jerk. Yeah, he's like, I don't know why you would ever he's want not, to be with him. He's not like handsome, but he's like kind of handsome. But he, he, he doesn't looks, have a beard in this. He looks, he like, looks a like a jerk. An, he looks like an egg, kind of a little Like an bit. egg? Yeah, he's got really long hair and no beard. It's kind of creepy. I'm not going to lie. Damn. I really like Riley Keough. <laughs> she should win an Emmy. Like, she should be oh, nominated really? for an Emmy for this. Like, she's very good in this show. That show came out this year? It did. It came out mm-hmm. earlier this year. It's like, yeah. Have I mean, you not heard of it? No, I have. I have. Okay. Very early, though. Yeah, it's this good. Year, right? It's worth a watch. It's not anything special, though. It was on Jeopardy the other day as an mm. answer. That was fun. Yeah. Songs are stuck in my head, though. So that's how you know that it has a good soundtrack. You get some bonus points with me. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I watched a 2015 movie called Tale of Tales. Have you heard of this? It's a no. European <laughs> fantasy horror film. Okay. It stars Salma Hayek, Vincent Castle, Toby Jones, and John C. Riley for about four minutes. What? <laughs> Uh, this is a fantasy, pretty sure it must have been rated R, because there's a lot of sex. Jeez, um, it only made $5.5 5 million. Uh, it's three stories. This oh. thing looks fantastic, by the way. 
beautiful, beautiful movie. Uh, every single scene is beautiful. Like it just has this great look. It's so dry. There's like barely any dialogue half the time. Um, doesn't it tells you three stories? You you basically feel like you didn't l- see any story. Uh, pretty pretty ass movie, <laughs> uh, but it looked really really cool. So one's about one's called the Enchanted Doe. Nice. So it's three stories, and you have a scene, then a scene, then a scene, then a scene, then a scene, and it all ends at this this, this um, wedding. No, no, sorry, this girl becomes queen. Yeah, yeah. Wait, they go by scene by scene from each story. Yeah. Why? What do you mean? Why don't they just tell one story and then the other story and then the third story? That's what? That's that is that no? Oh, I thought you meant like they are telling. Like all three stories at the same time. How would they do that? I don't it's know. It's not like three screens. That's what. Okay. <laughs> then never mind. <laughs> Jeez, That'd that be would hard be hard to watch. That's like watching a TikTok. No, they show you the like a scene from the first story, a scene from the second story, a scene from the third story. Yeah, that's what I mean. First, why? Why would they do that? I don't like that. What? Well, that's how this Mike Flanagan tells things. That's a bit different. We just watched. There's like three stories going yeah, on in that one. That's a bit different. It's the exact same thing. That's a bit different. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. You just like the secession stuff. That's, that's true. That's what I liked. I'm a big sucker for secession. Um, okay. One one was basically about this king and a queen and they John C. Riley, and they have to they can't conceive a child, so they meet this like this freaky looking dude. He's really tall and he's wears like really high pants. I'll show you a picture of him after. Is this a horror movie? It's a fantasy horror movie. Okay. Um, and he's like, you got to go kill a sea monster, cut out its heart, and then eat the heart, and then you'll instantly be pregnant. So nice. John C. Riley goes and he fights a sea monster. Really cool looking scene, by the way. Beautiful. Uh, he dies. So he dies in the first like five minutes of this movie. Um, anyway, and then they have a kid, but a virgin has to cook it, but the virgin accidentally gets pregnant too. So it's about these two boys growing up, one in the kingdom and one in like as a peasant and they look the exact same and and they're like connected somehow yada yada uh, and then one is about uh these two ugly looking old women and this like king who's like ha- has sex with a bunch of people and he like hurt hears one of them singing and he like falls in love with them outside of a door and he's like give me give me something like i, I need to have sex with you and she's like i'll give you my finger and he's like oh, what do i what happens if i take your finger and he's like uh i'll have sex with you if it's uh, all, all the lights are off, and 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 yeah, and then that he okay. goes, he has sex with the old woman, and then he wakes up. And he's like, "What the hell? You look like that. That's disgusting." And he like bands her to the forest, tied up, and then a witch turns her young, and then she goes and marries the king, and then her sister, the other old lady, is jealous. Anyway, none of these stories basically have an ending. They're all stupid. It doesn't and sound very good. And then there's one called the Flea, which is about a king, and he like is obsessed with raising the pet flea and the flea becomes really big and then he dies and he like cuts up his skin and he's like if you can tell me what uh what type of skin this is then you get to marry my daughter and then an ogre eventually does it and he's like what oh i gotta keep my word i'm not king so it's about the the princess getting away from the ogre what's the flea have to do with it the flea was okay he's just tall he's just a big flea He's a big, well, he, the flea dies and he cuts his skin and the ogre was the only one able oh, to Oh, they cut the flea skin. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. That that sounds kind of fun. Um, It sucks, dude. This movie stinks <laughs> That one ass. sounded fun. Uh, yeah, she like, uh, eventually this group of like tightrope walkers saves her and then the ogre finds her and kills them all and then turns out the ogre was just trying to protect her, but mm-hmm. he dies because he got lit on fire. 
Nice. And then she cuts off his head and turns home, comes home. He's like, why would you do that to me, daddy? And then he, she becomes queen. <laughs> so let me guess, two stars? Two stars. Hey. Beautiful looking movie. Okay. Terrible, terrible movie. I'm reading right now about the themes. Uh, the themes are plastic surgery. It's an important theme <laughs> to have, of course. The frenzied desire to have a child, the conflict between generations, the painful passage from adolescence to adulthood. None of those come across. Oh. They really try to, but they do not come across. No plastic surgery? Uh, plastic surgery I got. You know, I did get that one. All, so all you got ass. one. All ass, bro. You just, got one. Just bad movies. Bad movie. Okay. Well, I watched a good movie. <laughs> Florence. Son. Thank God. This is John Carney's newest film, who is of Once and Sing Street fame. Hell yeah. Good movies. This is another small, intimate film. Did you like Once? I have not seen Once yet. I need to watch Once, but I love Sing Street, so I will get to Once Sing eventually. Street. Brilliant. It's fantastic. This is another small, intimate film about a a single mother and her son who gets into trouble a lot. She's trying to find like a common bond between the two of them because it's like, oh, if you keep this up, he's going to go to juvie. So she tries to figure out what to do, and then she eventually finds a, a guitar and decides to sign up for some guitar lessons. Who, of course, when you sign up for guitar lessons, you just casually get up and find just Gordon Levitt online. So that is the person who she finds, and it's about their relationship as well as bonding between her and the son. And it's cute. Joseph Gordon Levitt. Well, it's about her and Joseph Overland, Joseph Gordon Levitt, and her relationship with each other. So Eve. Wait, Houston, he plays himself. No, he, oh. he, is, he has a name. I think his name's like Jeff or something like that. Well, because he's gotten like ukulele videos on the YouTube. I thought he's like, oh, I got to get this guy for my kids. It would have been funny if it was just George, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, my God. Jesus this is Christ. really hurting to speak. His, Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Gordon-Levitt. It's hard to say with this bandage. Of third Rock from the Sun fame. Yeah, it's really fun. It's a fun, cute film. It gets a little emotional towards the end, but it doesn't really hit you as hard as Sing Street did. I really liked a lot of the relationship and the chemistry between these characters. I had a huge jump scare with Joseph Gordon-Levitt in this film because they do something stylistically where like, he's on the screen because they're across. He's in L.A., she's in Ireland. And then they to build their relationship. Ireland. Ireland. They uh, they like move the camera around and then the computer's gone and he's just right there standing in front of her. So it was like the biggest jump scare I've ever had in my life. I was like, oh my God, it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt just standing there. But he's like so close to her while he's like singing in her face. It was a little weird. But the songs are okay. They never really hit as hard as Sing Street did. I think that they put the wrong song in contention for the Oscar because they do like the, the culmination song of the whole family and everything like that, which also is funny because they have Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I said it right that time. Good job. At the end of the film, on the computer while they're like singing the song in a bar together, so he's playing it from there. And I was like, "You guys must have really good technology to have his guitar matched up with everyone else who's playing around at the same time," which I thought was kind of funny. There's also some random dude as a drummer in that part. Don't know who it is because the whole scene is this cute. Oh, the whole family is together. Like they're doing a nice bonding moment, and then there's just a drummer. Hell yeah! <laughs> he's just casually there. He's just part of the family. Yeah, I liked it. I gave it three Hell and a half yeah. stars. Doesn't get anywhere close to the other heights of his films, but it's a good watch. It's like 98 minutes, so easy breezy, worth a watch. Maybe I'll do that. We should. Uh, my next movie is Freddy vs. Jason from 2003. Oh, God. You're going to like this one, aren't you? I love Freddy vs. Jason. <laughs> this movie rules. <laughs> it's a horrible movie, and it's so funny. The script is hilarious. The plot is so stupid. 
It's not like a scary movie. It's Freddy versus freaking Jason, dude. And it rips. I gave this movie four stars because I love it so much. Jason sucks. Jason? Yeah, he's he terrible. He wins, bro. He beats Freddy. And then he get, then guess where he goes? Space. Whoa. Jason goes to space, Yeah, bro. he's the, the worst of the classic horror. Jason? Yeah, by far. Why? I've, his movies, first of all, suck. No. He has not had a good movie. Really? Yeah. That's a weird take. I'm not a fan of his. Okay. Well, all right. He just likes to kill he's people about boring. to do it. Yeah, he's just boring. He's got a, he's got a hockey mask. So I could do the same thing, night. too. Like, it's not that. Well, who's the scariest? You think Freddy Krueger's scarier? I know. I think Freddy's fun. He's very fun. Yeah. I have not seen Dreamcatchers yet, though. I have seen one and two, but Dreamcatchers is, like, universally loved as, like... I noticed you gave the 2009 one, Friday, the <sighs> Nightmare on Elm don't, Street, two don't stars. Don't ask me why I watched that one. I watched it this morning. Oh, God, no, you didn't. I did. I like those movies. It's a horrible movie. Yeah, okay. I was going to say, you better not have liked Very that bad one. movie. That one sucks. Uh, no, I gave that one two stars, too. Yeah, okay. I actually don't think I reviewed it yet. It's not um, worth talking about. It's just Freddy vs. Jason movie. rips, though, man. It's so funny. <laughs> Every single scene is hilarious. It's like, when I talked about Planet of the Apes being like a fun movie because it's really bad, this movie is exactly the same way, but it kind of like knows it's really bad, too. And it's just like, I, we got two guys here. Let's just make them fight. That's hilarious. And they do it. It's great. I love it. I love this movie so much. That Four was stars. like peak of when they would put these two fr- like franchises together. It was like Alien versus Predator when they did that as well. By the way, I love Alien versus Predator. That movie is awesome. You might be the only one to have ever said that. I like that movie more than Alien. Oh, my God. And Predator. Stop. Why? Alien's tremendous. Alien? Yeah. It's a good movie. I don't know. It's so overdone now, though. It's in like every single piece of pop culture that it it's, doesn't matter. It it's was the first. same thing with Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, though. okay. Like you go back, you rewatch, you're like, yeah, I get it. But it's like so much a part of the zeitgeist that it doesn't really work anymore. It's a dumb take. It's a bad take. Well, let's go watch Alien again. I have seen it recently. I love it. Yeah, it's a good movie. But I'm saying Alien vs. Predator is just so fun. <laughs> It's awesome. Dude, she's down there in the ice caves and the Predator's with them and they're like, let's go kill some xenomorphs. And then they team up at the end to kill the xenomorphs. It's sick. AVP. AVP rules, dude. Did you like uh, Adrian Brody's Predators? Adrian Brody's Predators? Yeah. I have not seen that. That's like a bunch of people fall from the sky and they land on an island or like this middle of the nowhere forest. It's got Topher Grace, oh Adrian Brody. <laughs> sounds terrible. And then they they like walk through this world and there's predators. And they got to like get out. Predator sucks. If they escape. Predator? It's so overrated. You lo- you don't like Predator? Like Arnold Schwarzenegger? No. Prey's oh. better. You like Prey? I do like Prey. You know, I liked all of those. I'm not going to say that they were good movies. I got to be honest. I don't think Predator's a great movie. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say I, I didn't I, like it though. It's yeah, pretty sick, dude. I, I'm not a huge. They're all predator. pretty dope. I'm not a huge Predator fan, but it's just like a cool concept. I gave it three stars. Yeah. What about Predators? Go watch Predators. It's sick, bro. And then you're like, who's the mole? Who's the who's the bad guy? It's gonna hit you, and you'll be like, no, not him. It's I awesome. probably won't, but <laughs> it's a very enticing review from you. Predators. I haven't seen that one in a while. Maybe I'll watch it. <laughs> Good movie. Anyway, Freddy vs. Jason rules. Okay. AVP rules. Yeah. You know what else rules? What? Considering everyone's talking about concert films right now in theaters, 
I thought it was only fair to go and watch the most talked about concert film on everyone's tongue right now. Stop making sense. Yeah, good one. Yeah, not you thought I was going to say Taylor Swift? No, I, I did not say Taylor Swift. Why? Why? Because I don't want to go watch Taylor Swift in theaters. I'm sorry. Why? Because when I went to go watch Stop Making Sense, there's a lineup of Swifties all wearing T-shirts, and they had glow sticks, and I was terrified. So I said, nope. No, but you went to go watch Stop Making Sense first. I did, and I will only watch that one. Why? Because I don't want to watch Taylor Swift. Yeah, but why? Because I don't want to watch. You have you seen the videos? You didn't want to watch Talking Heads. Though, have you seen the videos? I said no, that it was I didn't. Good. I said I like the Talking Heads. You said you didn't want. You didn't. You weren't going to go see that until I said it was actually pretty. It was like a good movie. No, because I saw that everyone loves the film, and I wanted to go watch it. But have you seen the videos of the Taylor Swift stuff? Like, there's people in circles. Yeah, like, that's a weird double standard. You're a weird double standard. Especially you saw that one first. This is like and the you, concert. You had film. to be convinced twice this is the concert to go film. see that one no and then you're just like i make my own that decisions, you won't go okay? see the taylor swift movie i i'm not sitting through the three taylor hours swift movie is like the highest rated concert film of all time right now because swifties will t- rank no, everything five stars based on reviews like actual reviewers too well clearly they haven't watched stop making sense then because this film's great not only is it just a concert and like a, a good concert at that it's a great film the shots are tremendous. The editing's really good. I love the up close shots as well. David Byrne is a weird, weird guy. Awesome, bro. But he has such a fun stage presence. Like he just doesn't stop moving this entire movie. Like he's literally just shaking or moving his legs the entire time. Same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. Also, I never really knew how many songs by the Talking Heads I knew really too much until I watched this and I was like, oh yeah, that's by them. Like Psycho Killer, I completely forgot was by Talking Heads. <laughs> Like their biggest song. <laughs> I know, and I completely forgot it was by them. But I love the way they start off the film with like just David Byrne, and it's like a smaller one, and that gets gradually bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger with each song, more cast, more instruments. It's really cleverly done. It's catchy. It's just an easy breezy ninety minutes. I loved it. I thought it was great. It's a great film. I understand why people really like this. So why won't you go see the Taylor Swift one? Because I don't want to be in a theater. It's not going to happen at all theaters. I we're in Toronto, okay. If there's a place for it to happen, it will be here. Where did you watch? Stop making sense. Kitchener. Yeah. What? It's a weird double standard. What do you mean? I don't know. It's it, it, it's weird. Uh, but you're yeah, telling me great, you still want to go watch Taylor Swift? Yeah. What? Why not? I want to watch both of those movies. Concert films are cool. They're fun, especially now that they're in theaters. Like, that's sick. Why would I not want to go see that? Because it's also $30. Yeah. The like the price for the Taylor Swift one is not very nice. No. Um, anyway, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, watched, I watched a 2023 movie called The Wedding Contract. What the hell is that? Stop watching these random movies. Rebecca, a teacher, and Adam, an ad executive, are excited to plan their Jewish wedding, but their wedding and future are put into jeopardy when Adam lands a new ad campaign and their mothers meet for the first time. Sounds horrible. You gave it one star? Uh, it's a Hallmark movie. Oh, God. Watched it on cable. Yeah, I gave this one one star. You know, it's not Christmas time yet. My review is I can only blame myself for watching that. Why are you watching Christmas movies? It's not a Christmas movie. It's a Hallmark movie. So? What? They make more of it. I also just said Jewish wedding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you did. That <laughs> eh, could have been said around Christmas time. You never know. Uh, Just ask, bro. Hallmark movies are stinky. I will they're never. good for a certain time of year. Like, they're fun at some points, and they're fun to, like, laugh at. But I just had this, like, going. was like, what What am I doing? 
I don't think I've watched a single Hallmark movie. Why? They're fun. Not like Christian Mingle or something? Mm. Gotta watch the Christian Mingle movie. That one rules. She goes to Is Mexico. Little Italy a Hallmark movie? No, it's an Air Canada movie. Right, right, right. right, right, right. Made for in-flight entertainment. Also, okay. the quality of Little Italy is far better than Hallmark movies. <laughs> NBA, NBA Canadian superstar Rick Fox is in a lot of them. That's true. They don't have that Air Canada money. Hallmark? No. Mm-hmm. They shoot a lot of them here, though. That doesn't surprise me. In North Bay. The Northern Bay. Anyway, what's what else did you watch? Uh, that's it. All right, I watched a 2019 movie called Jexy. This is Adam Devine. Oh, God. Also, do you like him? I do. Me He's too. Just so he picks really bad projects. He doesn't pick anything that is to his comedic chops. Anyway, this is like her. Rose Byrne plays the voice. Uh, he gets like I an love iPhone. Rose Byrne. Gets like an iPhone and the iPhone is has like AI and the AI is like, here's how to live your life. Oh, that movie. I remember seeing the trailer for that. Uh, it's made by the guys who did The Hangover, but it's shot like Secession. Like Ew. all of the like zoom ins and like the weird like pans the like that. zooms, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just, just does not fit the movie. Okay. It's like, it feels like you're watching a made for TV like Do they watch one episode of Succession when I watch Like that. literally, <laughs> that's I think what happened. Uh, it's brutal, man. But you know what? It's, it's surprisingly like has a lot of funny parts to it. It's just not a very like good movie. Mm. Uh, it, it feels like they had no budget for this thing, uh, which is weird because they have a bunch of people in this movie. Uh, so I don't even know who this is for when this came out. I understand why I never heard of it because it's not a very good movie. Uh, it was totally just serviceable. Like if you want to, if you wanted something to just put on, put it on. You're not going to laugh out loud. But there's a lot of funny moments, uh, and I like everybody in the movie. It wasn't really a bad performance. Kid Cudi, except Michael Pena. It's really bad. Michael Pena with a bad performance. Yeah, really bad. Kid Cudi's yeah, Kid Cudi's randomly in this movie. <laughs> Netflix movie? I don't know. I think I watched it on Prime. It was weird. Oh. Anyway, Jexy, I give it two stars. Okay. I said it's like if her was lazy. Oh, wait. Because her was lazy. It's like if Black oh, Mirror were lazy. Oh, yeah, because Black Mirror's lazy. It's a lazier version of her in an episode of Black Mirror. Surprisingly not as bad as I thought it'd be, but yikes. Somebody care about a movie for once. Really felt like they didn't care about that movie. And I watched Bullet Train. You can't just casually say <laughs> that her is lazy and then just move on. Her was lazy. I watched Bullet Train. God. I said top 10 train movie of all time. What are the best train movies? There's that one movie with Denzel. It's really good. And uh, Chris Pine? Yeah. Yeah, that movie's Unstoppable or something? Yeah. That movie rules, that dude. That great. That's a great movie. I saw it in theaters and I was like, whoa, I love Bro, trains. Bro, that was an intense movie. I like 310 to Yuma. Good one. Uh, Bullet Train ruled. I was surprised. Yeah, it's okay. Why? Okay. I liked it. I gave it three and a half stars. Yeah, I gave it three and a half too. Why is it okay? Give it three and a half didn't stars. Stick with me. It's fine. It's good. It's yeah. I, it didn't stick with me either. But it was like every every. I thought I wasn't gonna enjoy it as much as I did. Everyone in it was really really good. It was a really fun movie the I, whole time. I do like the uh, the payback for the Brad Pitt cameo in Deadpool two. Yeah, is paid back here with Ryan Reynolds. It's pretty funny. The Channing Tatum homophobic stuff was a little weird. Mm. That that didn't really sit right with me. Bad Bunny was kind of cool. <laughs> not really. He shouldn't act. Sorry, you bad buddy. Act. You're not very good. He was, he was okay. Joey Kane, I'm not a hip fan of in this film. In this movie? Yeah. Really? I thought this was one of the only movies that she was fine in. Maybe it's just her hair. You got like weird issues <laughs> when like <laughs> girls are doing something. <laughs> Won't see the Taylor Swift movie. Uh, and then I watched Reptile, 2023 movie. Just Hell came out. yeah. Uh, 
Did you watch this? No. <laughs> you didn't watch Reptile? No. Uh, following the brutal murder of a young real estate agent, a hardened detective attempts to uncover the truth in a case where nothing is as it seems, and by doing so, dismantles the illusions in his own life. That's the Benicio Del Toro film. Yes. I liked it. Okay. Um, Maddie <laughs> hated this movie. She gave it one star. Oh. Uh, I thought it was cool, but I don't know. I like detective cop stuff. It's a long movie. Really long movie. Justin Timberlake's in this for some reason. Is he good? I like Justin Timberlake. We've talked about him on this pod. Yeah, he's fine. Hmm. Cool. Uh, it was cool. Uh, it's very. It's a dad movie. It's a movie for dads. Makes sense why you liked it then. Very big dad movie. Um, and that's basically all I watched, man. Like, geez. So you rounded and closed your weekend with an old dad's movie and a dad film. I, I got to show you like the first four minutes of old dad's bro. It's brutal. You're going to, you're literally going to be like, is this an actual movie? It's unwatchable. Okay. Well, I will not watch Legitimately that. Legitimately unwatchable. Also, here's, here's the, the tall guy. <laughs> Oh. Dude, look at his pants. Those are some funky some pants. Funny pants. Funky pants there. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about before we end this pod. Yeah. Before, or before we talk about what's coming out. Uh, so essentially, uh, do you listen to a lot or do you read a lot of articles about the movie industry and stuff like that, people involved? Of course. Um, so it's basically official that Robert Downey Jr. is going to win the uh, Best Supporting Actor, Oscar. Um, and I was thinking about Robert Downey Jr.'s career. Basically set in stone at this point, by the way. Uh, for Sorry to break news to people. Although if you're betting right now, it's pretty early. Yeah, well, why do you think it's set in stone? Just a lot of people who I read and listen to have been saying that they've been around a lot of Oscar people, and it's essentially Robert it, Downey Jr.'s award. It's either him or Ryan Gosling. It's essentially Robert Downey Jr.'s award right now. I mean, right, like, rightfully like, so. Like almost set in stone. It's great in that movie. Basically set in stone. Mm-hmm. Um is Robert Downey Jr. had a good career? <laughs> You're gonna bring one of these on me again. I'm, I want. I'm confused. So Marvel saved his career, right? Yeah. He wasn't on. Um, I think he's on The Masked Singer, by the way. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was watching Masked Singer last night, and there's somebody who kind of clued me in, or somebody that I was like, ooh, because he's like he tried comedy once, like SNL. Can he sing? Did he a big movie? I don't know. Um, okay. Iron Man, Oppenheimer, Sherlock Holmes, Tropic Thunder. What else really sticks out to you? The Shaggy Dog. Dr. Doolittle? <laughs> Zodiac. Zodiac, yeah. But he. But if I had to say like Zodiac, you're not picking out Robert Downey Jr. from Zodiac. It's about Jake G. Mm, yes. But I really do like Robert Downey Jr. in that movie. Mark Ruffalo has a better scene in that, or better character in that movie. But yeah, Robert Downey Jr. is good in that movie. Kiss I'm just Kiss. saying, like, what what is he besides Chaplin? And even then, who remembers Chaplin? Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? You talk to a lot of people, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, like, no. Why not? It's just not memorable, man. There's not a lot of stuff in here. Maybe Chef. Everyone loves Chef. Everyone loves John Favreau, Chef. chef. I am Iron Man. What is that? <laughs> like, his career is just, like, what is it? It's a fine career. Is it? I think it's just Iron Man. That's all I got. Is I, he a good actor? Yeah. Is he? What do, you, what do you mean? 
Is he a good actor? Well, let's go through the movies. Iron Man. He was Iron Man. He did that fantastically. I'll give I'll give him Iron Man. Mm-hmm. But that character just got beat to death, and then eventually he did get beat to death, and he died. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Tropic Thunder. Was, uh, yeah. Okay. I no. Think, I think we have to have a conversation about Tropic Thunder. He won. He got an Oscar nomination. He didn't win. Oh, yeah, he got he got the nomination. Um. Yeah, but that movie's not. That's not a appropriate role. No. I've had to think about this for a while because it does, like, you watch and you're like, wow, that's brilliant. Ha, I love how they did that. It's written by two white guys. The only people who find that funny are white people. It's just to appease white people. It's a white people joke. There's nothing, it's not for us. We shouldn't have made that joke. And it really doesn't hold over well in 2023 if you think about that. It's not appropriate. It's aged very poorly. The whole movie has, but you know, I'm okay. I like I rewatch things, and I'm like, oh yeah, you got to accept that things are a certain part of the time. It's tough to watch stuff from the '80s now, where like you know, yeah, was like appropriate. But like Tropic Thunder was 2008, which is a very long time ago. It's like 15 years. But I mean, that specific character really doesn't go over well. No. Yeah, like you have to think about like who is it for? If it's not parody, or it's not a smart like comment on race or anything it's a white guy making a, a black joke and it's if if it was written by maybe black people or the audience was meant for black people but it's not it's all for white people written by white people anyway i don't want to get into a whole thing about tropic thunder but i just don't think that performance really yeah, holds we can up see as well in 2023 about tropic thunder but because um, I, I i don't disagree with you that film was not aged well no. I still think it's funny, but no. there's a lot of parts in that film, especially the, the depiction of a lot of the characters. Dude, I even remember watching that and being like, is Tom Cruise being anti-Semitic right now? <laughs> it's not. It, I watched it in 2021, and even I was like, ooh. Yeah. This is, uh, my review is literally, oh, my God, this has not aged well. Like at all. No. Uh, you know what, though? I love the Sherlock Holmes movies. They were sick. Yeah, he's really good at Sherlock. He was great at Sherlock. And the, the the way they shot those was nuts. Who did those movies? Oh, it's I like know. all the slow motion and stuff like that. That was sick. It was Guy Ritchie. It's Guy Ritchie. Yeah. Shortcuts. So he's had a good career. I don't know though. It's Iron Man and Sherlock Holmes and Oppenheimer. Yeah, but he's like doing the. Okay, when you get into a Marvel, he basically created like the next Hollywood superstar, which is like, you're a superhero character. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what movie stars are now. If you have a superhero, then you're a, a A-list celebrity. That's basically what it is. Or unless you're like from the olden times, like Leonardo DiCaprio or Brad Pitt. Who's a movie star besides Tom Cruise? A lot of the older guys. Like who? Uh, There's no movie stars anymore. It's a weird, yeah. The, I, we're at the next level. The Rock. He's not really a movie star. I'm not going to go see a movie because The Rock is in it. No, you might not, but everyone else will. Not anymore. He's an A-list celebrity. Who saw Black Adam? And that was a superhero. Sam L. Jackson? Not anymore, man. He's doing Marvel shows. Tom Cruise? Yeah, that's what I said, besides Tom Cruise. Vin Diesel? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's tough, tough look here. There's no movie stars anymore. He just created this next level of, like, superhero stardom. Uh, so like honestly, I, you might not be wrong. There's no movie star anymore. Yeah, it is like a. It's either a lot of older people or it's like Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, in like 2001 when 9/11 happened, 
<laughs> Sorry. The world needed like a hero. That is the, the craziest transition I've ever heard on a podcast. <laughs> the world needed, um, they wanted to like look at things, like America did. That's why like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans were becoming big. Or the Lord of the Rings at the time, where it was like a, a fantasy world with a, well, about heroes. Call me crazy. And then it became all this superhero movie stuff. Like like even where when they were casting Tobey Maguire as, um, when you were casting Tobey Maguire as, Spider-Man, like that was a big thing at the time. Do you mm-hmm. remember that? I don't really remember that. I was a child, but I kind of like, oh, that guy? Yeah, I was like two. So I, Who I the hell is that? Oh, well, there you go. Um, and then that was sort of like the start of it. I'm not saying 9-11 ruined yeah, well, movies. Where, where are you going with I'm this? Not saying, I'm not saying 9-11 ruined movies. Um, but yeah, anyway, Robert Downey Jr. just sort of created <laughs> no, this. The you next can't thing. just say anyways. What was that topic? What are you talking about? All right, 9-11 ruined movies. Okay, also. there you go. At least be uh, outward front with saying what you're saying. <laughs> can, Robert, we hear, can we hear this? <laughs> why not? I'm not saying anything inappropriate. So Robert Downey Jr. Just was created, 9-11. For the movie. <laughs> No, he's more like Terry Fox to us. You know, he re- he walked so the so the rest of the superheroes could run. A uh, good Canadian reference there. Um, anyway, he just created <laughs> this next level of things, and then that's sort of what I just think his career is. He just made superheroes. He's not really like going to be known for a great actor. He's not really going to be known for a funny guy. Anything. His Oscar wins, I don't think will be the most memorable thing about him. And I'm not saying that Iron Man, the character, is a bad thing to be known for. No. I'm just saying when you not. look at his career, it's like, eh. He is single handedly known for like the biggest cinematic universe ever, though. Yeah. And he started it. Yeah. So I don't really know credit. how you can say that he's had a bad career with that. I just think it's a meh. Like in, in 50 years from now, we're going to look back at his career and be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, but it's like single-handedly one of the most successful careers ever. Yeah, I know. Money-wise, go for it, King. Mm. Be notable. And he is an A-list celebrity. He created the whole thing. So good for him. I'm just saying. He's like one of the biggest success stories ever. He ruined movie stars, and he just just has a mad career. Anyway, what do you think about his career? I don't think you're wrong. Like, I think a lot of people think of him as just Iron Man. He already has an Oscar, right, for Chaplin? I think. Or he's just nominated. Anyway, sorry. I think he does. Keep going, keep going. But I think he has a chance now, especially with Oppenheimer and his role, to kind of reinvent himself a little bit and just oh. be, not just be... Nominated. Didn't win. Not just be the um, the guy who was in the MCU, you know? Like, not yeah, just Tony I think Yeah, I think this is really, like, the next level. If he can build off of his Oscar, mm-hmm. sort of, like, opposite of Brie Larson when she won the Oscar and then went into the MCU and yeah. it didn't really make sense. Yeah. If he can do like an opposite, I think he could have like a very great final... Final arc of his Final career. arc of his career. Yeah. And I, th- I think he could really top it off with something great. But right now I'm looking at it and I'm like, not going to be one of the most... Like if people list He's like one of the most influential. Actors. No, but influential, he will be there 100%, for influential. 100%. But when I, when I think of like, who are the, who are the stars? It's not really going to be Robert Downey. But does everyone need to? be that like top no i'm just saying he's gonna win an oscar yeah he's you know, everybody knows him and he's an a-list celebrity but he's really only done two things yeah i mean you're you're not wrong does that mean you're right at the same time no maybe maybe not anyway, I, yeah. I just i thought it was an interesting conversation because 
when I looked at Jennifer Lawrence, it was like, oh, they're just not using her. Oh, I like how they're using her. I like a Robert Downey Jr. It's like they've used him in everything. Mm -hmm. He's tried everything. And 9-11 is pissed off. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Let's hope nobody listens to this episode. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus. All right. Let's move to what's coming out this week. Killers of the Flower Moon is the big one. Yes. In case you ever heard, Martin Scorsese is back. It is out in theaters now, so you can go Ooh. and watch it ahead of its Apple TV premiere. Coming out on Apple in eh? a month, so yeah. But it did get a full release, which is good. Good for the theatrical market. Very happy that that's happening there. If you ever wanted to watch Leonardo DiCaprio, Martin Scorsese, and Robert Downey Jr., <laughs> no, <laughs> what's <laughs> you said, Robert Downey Jr. way too much now that I'm. RDJ. Completely just have his Bro, I think he's on a mass singer, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro. If you ever wanted to see them pair back up again in a film, now's your chance to go watch it. Nyad as well. This was supposed to be, I don't even know, an Oscar contender. It's from the, the directors who did the Free Solo film. Good movie. But they're doing a fiction film. Or, yeah, so... Not a documentary? No. Well, it's like a biopic-ish. It's about Diana Nyad, who like swam for like 53 hours. Apparently, it's really goofy, is what I've heard. <laughs> okay. So I don't know if that really tracks as well. But Pain Hustlers, this is a film that's coming out as well. I'm not sure if this came out on Netflix yet or not, but this is David Yates's newest film, who is of Harry Potter fame. And he has decided to step away from the Harry Potter universe to make a film with Emily Blunt and Chris Evans. So if you want to watch that, go ahead. As for TV shows this week, not too, too much. Big Mouth Season 7, if you're a fan of Big Mouth, which I don't know if there's really that many people out there that are still fans of Big Mouth, you can go watch that on Netflix. Elite Season 7. I'm over Big Mouth, man. I think everyone is. I don't know how Elite has seven seasons by now, but, you know, that is out on Netflix. Upload season three. This is the Amazon Prime show that I do enjoy, but I did not like season two as much. But this has started its run. And Fear the Walking Dead season eight, part B, is coming out on Sunday because I know you love Fear the Walking Dead and The Walking Dead in general. So I had to highlight that for you. Yeah. Nah, stinky Walking Dead. What are you thinking? We thinking we're done here? How you're big in movies, right? <laughs> no, you really like your movie stuff, don't you? No, I don't. Do you want to do a little trivia? Sure. <laughs> do you? Sure. You okay? Yeah. You can do it. Yeah. You're not gonna cry. No. All right. Okay. You're a big trivia guy. Yeah. 1982 saw the Richard, the brother of nature doc enthusiast David Attenborough, win Best Director for his direction of which biopic advertised with the following tagline it took one remarkable man to defeat the british empire and free a nation of 350 million people so these are all questions about best director award oh god 1982 i have no idea best director for which biopic 1982 you don't remember this one no gandhi Gandhi. Uh, yeah, here's a here's an easier one for you. 2013, 2014, and 2015 saw the award go to the directors of Gravity, Birdman, and The Revenant. Mm-hmm. The latter two films directed by the same man. What country are both these directors from? Oh, no. <laughs> um, you know these. The, the, I do. It's Inaritu and Karong. Oh, no. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> 
is your film knowledge. Right? I know. I like both of them too. This I feel like I should know. Same this. country. Just take a guess. Portugal. Oof. They're Spanish. Oh. Mexico. Mexico. I thought they were Portuguese. You know, Inaritu does kind of say. Yeah. Oh, okay. Described as a war thriller film, 2009 saw the first woman win Best Director for which film that also won Best Picture that year? Say again. Described as a war thriller film, 2009 saw the first woman win Best Director for which film that also won Best Picture that year? It's The Hurt Locker. Yes, it is. The Hurt Locker. Catherine Bigelow. And two more for you. In 2021-2020, well, the the cusp of those years, whatever year it was, 2021 Oscars, 2020 movies. Mm-hmm. Chinese director Chloe Zhao won for her direction of which film starring Francis McDormand? Nomadland. Nomadland. And finally, no relation to an industrialist named Henry. What was the name of the prolific film director who won the Best Director Oscar a record four times for the films? The Informer, The Grapes of Wrath, How Green Was My Valley, and The Quiet Man. Mm. Henry Selleck? John Ford. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I know. I've you thinking Henry Ford. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Okay, there you go. So there's, there's your last-minute trivia with Jake. I nice got, job. You got two out of five. That's and not very there's good. Some old, yeah, but there's some like older people questions there for you. Makes sense. You're an old man. I'll think of something young and hip. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. was nominated for which Ben Stiller movie? I love Ben Stiller. Due date with Zach Galifianakis? Hell yeah. That talk some due stank, dates? Yeah, it's terrible movie. I liked it when I saw it, and then I rewatched it. Stanky movie, bro. Not a good yeah, movie. There's so many movies that I like rewatched. I'm like, that was kind of good. And then I'll, oh, sorry. There's so many movies I watched the first time, and then I rewatched them, and I'm like, oh, that was butt cheeks. <laughs> like, that, that was butt cheeks. And I don't know. I don't even think it's my taste that's changed. I just think maybe I wasn't paying attention to the movie, and I was just like, ooh. That's a funny joke. I'm going to only remember that one part of the movie. Yeah. That's happened to me a fair amount of times. But also, I think you've changed. I've seen you throughout the past year. You've definitely changed. You started as a good guy. Now you're a bad guy. So <laughs> I'm a bad dude. You're a bad, bad guy. Any homes. Want to wrap this up? We're getting long here. Oh, we're well, getting yeah. well, I don't know why. Long. I thought we were only like an hour. We are an hour and 30 minutes, basically. Okay. We're, All we're, right. This, the, this was here. the Cinemates. <laughs> we'll be back with more horror movie stuff. Uh, Mike Jose Collins. That's Jake underscore Schultz. Six. You got it right this time. All at X, all on the Twitter. Follow us there. Follow, like, share this podcast with all of your friends. Listen, leave us a review. Send us a message if you guys want to be on the podcast. Uh, anything and everything. I survived an hour and a half talking. You did. You did. I think all my right. list got better as it went on, too. Uh, go watch that Mike Flanagan show. House of, uh, follow the House of Usher. Brilliant. I really liked it. Um, what are you going to watch this weekend? Killers of the Flower Moon? Yeah. Let's I think it. we got to get a review for Killers of uh, the Flower Moon. Yeah, that makes a lot week. of sense. All right, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye.